Welcome to Ignite Your Confidence for women in leadership who want to speak up and stand out. I'm your host, Karen Laus. Here you'll get all of the tips and tools that you need to stand out with unshakable confidence. Let's dive into today's episode. Our next speaker is Patricia Thompson, PhD. She's an award-winning corporate psychologist, executive coach, and speaker. Five years ago, she left her corporate job to become the founder of Silver Lining Psychology after advising CEOs for almost 15 years. She's been featured in Harvard Business Review and many more places. Her online courses on emotional intelligence, mindfulness, and leadership have been taken by over 13,000 students in 136 countries. She said that she grew up playing three musical instruments to help support herself in university and grad school by teaching piano, playing for parties at church, and accompanying ballet classes. She eloped a week after getting engaged, so she had two wedding ceremonies within seven months. The first question that I asked her was, tell us about a time when you didn't speak up but wish that you had. Let's take a look at Dr. Thompson. Tough question for me because I can't think of one particular moment, but what I can think of is a series of moments where I didn't speak up. And it really started when I first fell into consulting out of graduate school. And I had gone from you know my PhD program to working in consulting environments, so really sitting with a lot of senior leaders. And in that setting, I was probably the youngest by a decade or two, you know, most of the time, probably the only woman there, like 75% of the time. And I was the only person of color in there, like 99% of the time. Wow. And, yeah. And so I was really sensitive to, I think, how I was coming across and how I might be perceived. Yeah. And I think, you know, those sorts of concerns constrained me and made me so that I wanted to ensure that I was going to say the perfect thing every time that I spoke. Mm. And um, because I think there was no way to ensure that I was going to say the perfect thing every time that I spoke, most of the time I just didn't speak. And so I did have a lot of absorbing, but I wasn't doing as much contributing at that point. Okay. And um, I think the disadvantage of that or why I felt bad, not bad, but like why I might regret it after the fact is just that um, it caused people, I think, to underestimate what I knew or the contribution that I could have made just because they had no data to know what contribution I could make. Right. And it was, and it was all because I was, you know, wanting to make a great contribution. And so kind of counterintuitively or paradoxically, I was not contributing because I had those perfectionistic tendencies and didn't want to come across in a way that wasn't perfect. Mm -hmm. um, and so that happened and actually lasted for like, quite a while, like probably like one or two years where I would speak up, but not as much as I, you know, potentially thought that I should have. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until I just kind of decided that this is silly and, you know, I need to speak up that I started to make some changes in that area. Oh, I love it. Well, yeah. for someone that was in, is in your shoes now where you were a while ago, what would be one piece of advice you would offer to her? Yeah, I think the one thing I would say is just not to be so afraid of rejection, mm. you know, because I think at its core, like being concerned about how I was coming across, I think underneath that was just a concern about rejection. Like how would people receive me? Would they think that I was good enough? You know, that sort of a thing. And so um, now I don't really care about that as much. And I just figured that I'm not going to be for everyone. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm much more confident in that regard. And the other thing that I've 
kind of found out is that by taking risks, you do experience more rejection, but it's not that bad. Like I can tolerate it much more. And there's actually like interesting psychological research that shows that people bounce back more quickly than they think that they would. Mm -hmm. And that's been my own experience by actually taking the risk of speaking up or, you know, putting myself out there that, you know, when someone rejects it or doesn't respond, it's really not that big of a deal. Yeah. That's great. Well, tell us about one of those risks. Can you bring us into a a story or an example? Um, So I guess one example would be early on when I was trying to get into different media outlets, um, doing like guest posting and writing. And there was one um, media outlet called Mind Body Green, actually, that I wanted to get into. They're like a wellness site. Mm -hmm. And I had actually gotten in there before and so I kept writing content and sending it into the website to see if I would be accepted and I never got any response and um after a while I just was like what is up with this like I was reading the writing on there and it's like my writing is not like any worse than this why are they not accepting this um but you know after a while I just thought okay I'm just going to try this one last time and what actually happened was I went back on the website realized that the address to submit your items had changed and so all of these different Uh requests were not getting in there oh no but but if i had taken that really personally and not tried i never would have gotten back in there and as it turned out like i ended up being called like one of their top 100 women of wellness in this thing that they did and so they really liked what i was doing i was just submitting it to the wrong place but i think that's a really good example of you know if you personalize stuff Uh, there could be any number of explanations for what's happening. And so I think persistence really is, you know, an important thing that we all need to cultivate. Yes, absolutely. Oh my goodness. Well, in thinking about your journey, who would you say is the person that's been the most influential for you as a mentor or a model? Um, That's a hard question, but I would say probably my father. Mm He is deceased, but um, he is a lot like me, um, or was. I'm an introvert, and so I was a lot like him um, being an introvert. Um, And he was one of those people that didn't talk a lot, but was often very respected. Like, it was kind of one of those people that when they talked, um, they came across as very wise and insightful. And so I saw him be able to get into all sorts of leadership positions in our community just by maintaining his style of being who he was. Um, You know, he was the Rotary president. He, um, you know, actually created a local music festival for us because all of his kids were um, classical musicians. And it's it's one that still exists now, like 30 years later. Um, But it was just like the way that he could be true to himself and not be, you know, what you consider to be a stereotypical leader who's really like loud and out there. And it still worked for him. Um, And so he's really been someone who, has been inspirational that I can be an introvert, but still have an impact on others. Wow. Oh my gosh. So as an introvert, what is it, what are some of the challenges that you face or maybe struggles in your industry or your profession? Yeah. So, you know, I used to be painfully shy. (laughs) Um, Actually my earliest memory as a child was of hiding under the table when people were singing happy birthday to me at a restaurant. So, Oh my (laughs) gosh. Yeah, so I used to hate being in the spotlight, um, and that kind of progressed throughout my career and not wanting to do public speaking or things like that because I was shy. And so um, 
that's always been something that's been a challenge for me. I think now I'm much more comfortable with it. And I would say I'm not shy just because I've had so much experience as a consultant. Um, and so I would say right now, the main uh, challenge for me as an introvert is just making sure that I manage my time and my energy effectively. Mm. Um, because if I have back to back to back to back meetings, or if I you know, have a full team day, a full day team building session or something like that, I enjoy it, but then I'm like wiped out by the end. Oh, yeah. And so I have to be just really intentional about making sure that I'm scheduling breaks throughout the day um, so that, you know, I don't just kind of burn myself out. So that would be the, the biggest one. And then I think the other one is still like reminding myself to, to speak up mm -hmm. enough. Um, just because I think as an introvert, we can tend to be kind of conservative about what we think is valuable enough to actually share. Um, and I guess I've had enough experiences of thinking something wasn't valuable enough and then hearing somebody else say it. And that was exactly what I was thinking. And they get all kinds of like, uh -huh. <laughs> all kind of like data boys and, you know, uh, reinforcement for doing so. So that would be the other thing, just, um, making sure that I'm pushing myself to be adequately assertive about speaking up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's great. So tell us about emotional intelligence. Can you give us maybe just in a couple of sentences, what would you, how would you summarize it? And then one tip that we could all use. Yeah, so I guess in a nutshell, um, emotional intelligence has to do with having an awareness of yourself and your own emotions and being able to regulate those in conjunction with having an awareness of others and their emotions so that you can interact with them in a way that's effective and, you know, um, going to help you to be a good influencer and have good relationships. And so um, I have seen that it's really a differentiator for people in the business world. And in general, I mean, if you have a higher emotional intelligence, um, you're going to have better relationships and often work is done through those relationships that you have with others. Um, and so in terms of where to start, um, self-awareness is really the foundation of being emotionally intelligent. And so one really easy thing that you can do is just to be really intentional about creating a list of what are your strengths and what are your opportunities for development. Um, because I think, you know, when you understand your strengths, then you can make sure that you're leveraging them or putting yourself in positions where you can really use them to your advantage. That's kind of like your sweet spot of what's going to get you ahead. And then, you know, by knowing your developmental opportunities, that gives you a sense of what are the things that you could work on to be even more effective. And so like in my example, I felt like my intelligence was actually a strength of mine. And so I did a lot of writing and stuff like that to get myself out there. But a developmental opportunity, like I said, was not being assertive enough about speaking up. And so if I see myself as intelligent and having ideas, but then not sharing them, that's kind of holding myself back. Yeah. And so, you know, by being a little bit more assertive and really pressing myself in that way, um, you know, that's something that I think has helped me to be more successful um, lately. Love it. Yeah. Well, how do you deal with a situation where maybe you're pretty aware, I would say like pretty good at um, emotional intelligence and somebody else isn't? And it's, it could be very frustrating. Can you share a little bit about maybe you've had an experience like that you want to share with us or any tips to overcome that? Yeah. So um, I think it depends on the person, but you know, one example I can think of is I used to work with someone who was really impatient and actually not very kind to people. And um, it would, I don't know, it would, it would get people, it would get reactions out of them because, you know, if someone's rude to you, obviously that's going to cause a reaction. 
And I guess for me, I was able to take a step back and kind of not get caught up in his behavior and more kind of think about what was underlying his behavior. And so one thing that I was able to do was have a bit of empathy for him, mm-hmm. which was something that other people around me were not able to do. But I, you know, I was thinking about, well, what would life be like if I were like that? Like I would be having, you know, disagreements with people all the time, or they would always be going off in a huff. And, you know, some of that might be, um, kind of disenchanting. And so what I actually did was I worked to develop a relationship with that person. And um, I was the only person actually, as it turned out in our firm, who could give him feedback because we built that relationship. And he, I was relating to him as a person, kind of by meeting him where he was, as opposed by just responding to his behavior, which, you know, I think he was well-intentioned. He was just super impatient. And so sometimes things would come across wrong. And by being able to give him that feedback, he actually did get better. I mean, I'm not going to say that he totally transformed, but he wasn't as bad as he was before. So I think like meeting people where they're at and seeing if there's something that you can empathize with can sometimes help to build that connection that, you know, then you can work off of that. That's such a great tip, leading with relationship first. And what a testimony to you about proving that and then how he was able to open up and receive feedback. That's incredible. Thank you. Yes, really great. Well, tell us about your biggest mistake or failure and what you learned from it. Yeah, so um, I would say that my biggest failure was probably uh, when I left the firm I was working for to go out on my own to start my own business. One of the things that I really wanted to do was to write a book. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, that book was one that it probably took me about maybe five months to write across time, like juggling it within other things. And I wanted to self-publish it just because I thought I would have more control over it. Yeah. Um, and so I put all the effort into it. I was like super brave and was able to get some um, endorsements from like some leadership experts that I really um, admired and um, put it out there. And then it like didn't sell like anywhere, like near where I thought it would. Uh-oh. And it was really frustrating because I knew it was a quality book. It was like well-researched. I had all these endorsements, but still it wasn't selling like I wanted it to. Mm-hmm. And um, as it turned out, you know, across time, what I did was I pivoted and I ended up using the book for when I would have speaking engagements, selling it there or, you know, promoting it in other ways. Or I also actually used a lot of the content Um, I was able to go back to it in some of the online courses that I went on to create. And so um, I ended up making a lot more money off the online courses than the book, which kind of makes sense because there's much more (laughs) of a profit margin there. But I I think what I learned from that is that, you know, if one thing doesn't work, think about, well, how might I use this differently? Or, you know, I I didn't want to spend a lot of time feeling disappointed about the work that I put in. So I thought, how can I use the work that I put in in some other way. Um, and so, so that would be the learning from it. And like I said, as it turned out, um, the, the course angle was a much better way to go for me. Yeah, I was gonna say, it sounds like you really moved that forward. So yeah. and everything, it seems like everything that you represent is about positivity and resilience as seen in some of your media contributions as well as just how you come across. So, oh, thank you. Oh, you're welcome, yeah. What would you say is the number one reason for women to speak up, especially now? Yeah, I mean, I think we're really in a really um, 
amazing time right now where people are speaking up more and having their voices heard. And I think in really tangible ways, we're seeing the impact that that's having on society as a whole. Um, and so I think that just I, gives us more reinforcement for the impact that you know one person's voice can have when you're really speaking out. And so I just think that in this day and age, there's much more of a venue for us to have a voice. And we really need to use it because it does make an impact. I think companies are more open to hearing diverse points of view. And um, I, I think it's really a, a time right now in our society where we can do that. And so I think it kind of behooves each of us to make our voice heard mm -hmm. and to really do what we can, can to um, kind of allow our own unique contributions to be part of the zeitgeist, I guess. Yeah. Love it. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. Well, why don't we do a, a lightning round of questions? So, you know, you weren't prepared. You didn't have any of these in advance. So we're just going to just come with whatever comes to mind. And let's start with what is your guilty pleasure or just simply pleasure on Netflix? Netflix. Oh, that changes week to week. Um, right now, I would say it's Queer Eye, but I, I actually don't feel guilty. So good, good. <laughs> That's great. Fill in the blank. In high school, I was most likely to. Oh, move away. Um, okay. I grew up in a really small town and I was like destined to move across the country to go to Toronto. I grew up in Canada. Yeah. So I, I, I even wrote in my, this is bad, but I wrote in my high school yearbook, like good riddance, because I was ready to go. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Great. How about your first concert? My first concert, oh, um, it might have, I think it might have, I honestly cannot remember my first concert, but if I were to cheat, I would say my first concert, since I grew up as a classical pianist, was probably me putting on a concert, so. Oh, yeah. oh, that's great. Yeah. What's on your nightstand right now? Um, on my nightstand is a combination of a book, so um, I've actually been reading a lot of books on, um, diversity lately. And so that's on my, uh, I, have, I read on an iPad. So that, and then I also have a card from my seven-year-old uh, that he gave me for Mother's Day that says, I love you as much as sweets and chocolate, which was really saying a lot. Um, <laughs> those are the two main things on my nightstand. And I also keep a journal. So that's their too. Oh, neat. <laughs> yeah. what, what's one of the books? Could you give us a recommendation? Um, so the book is called um, How to Be an Anti-Racist, and it's uh, yeah. by Ibram Kendi. A lot of people are reading that mm -hmm. now, and I am too. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's great. Where was your first kiss? Uh, it was actually in Nashville, Tennessee. Ah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. I, I had like been um, interacting with someone that I hadn't met in person, and we met in person. This was like, I was kind of old. I was about 18, so I was a little uh -huh. late. <laughs> oh, that's great yeah and let's see let's let's end with one thing last thing what's something that you always keep in your purse uh well right now hand sanitizer <laughs> and my mask but, but aside from that uh lipstick yeah my, my i don't keep a lot of stuff in my purse but those would be like the, the main ones that are there okay i love it great well thank you so much for being here patricia it's just wonderful to talk with you and hear your stories. And for people that want to connect with you and learn more about you, how can they reach you? Yeah, you can reach me at my website at silverliningpsychology.com.
And that's a wrap of another episode of Ignite Your Confidence. I'm your host, Karen Laus. Thank you so much for listening. If you love today's episode, please subscribe and leave a review. It helps other people find the podcast faster, and it certainly helps me. If you're interested in more tips and tools around confidence, please join me over in my Facebook group called Ignite Your Confidence with Karen Laus. Remember, you too can stand out with unshakable confidence. <laughs>